life-changing. Powerful. Powerful encounter with God. You know right away that God has had his hand in everything that's happening that weekend. It's just a, a beautiful thing. Hey ladies, my name is Stacy McLean. I'm the Women's Ministry Director here at Crosstown Church, and I want to personally invite you to be a part of our Encounter Weekend that is happening February 10th through the 12th, 2022. I know that may seem like way off in the future. Save the date for it. We're already preparing opportunities for you to personally encounter the presence of God that weekend. But instead of me telling you all about it, I want you to hear from some of the women who've been in the past and how it's impacted their lives. Take a listen to these stories. My favorite memory from Women's Encounter, there's too many actually, <laughs> to just pick one. Um, I've been fortunate to go, I think four or five times now, and every time has so many new and, and great memories. But I would say the little unexpected things, the small moments that just happened that you didn't think were gonna happen. And after it does, you say to yourself, wow, that was such a healing moment for me. Playing games after one of the, the nights and just getting to know the ladies. My most favorite is when you first get there, there was a room with tables and all the women were chit-chatting and talking to each other and you knew something great was gonna happen. It was a really powerful reminder that God sees me and knows what I care about and what I desire. It's deepened my relationship with Christ. It's life-changing. Um, I don't use that word lightly. That had changed um, how I thought about other women at church, how I thought about church, how I thought about my relationship with Jesus. And what I thought I was going there for was nothing at all what I ended up being there for. He has a specific message just for you. I have heard that from so many women, that Christ meets you there. I longed for connection and it really has, you know, made an impact on my life since then. It doesn't matter if it's your first time or your fifth time, every time you get something new out of it. You give something new to someone else. You receive something new from someone you might not have even known. I mean, it's honestly limitless what this weekend will do for you. Yes. Ladies, please make this a priority. Please make it a priority. It's an amazing weekend. My wife's gone every year. They've had it, and it's just, it's incredible. I always hear just stories of life change happen every time they go on this. So... It's a new location this year. It's in beautiful Hilton Head. It's going to be a wonderful place. Yeah, I am into that. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be a time of, of just like all those ladies just said, it's, it's, there's limitless potential to what can happen on these trips. So please make it a priority. Husbands, make it a priority for your wife or, um, and just you know, take the kids, do a dude's day. We'll probably have dude's day at my house or daddy, daughter stuff, whatever, but make it a priority for your wives to be able to go on this. Um, it's good to see you this morning. My name is Ricky. I'm the worship pastor here. Paul and Susan are in Tennessee watching the colors change, which is good to know because I heard COVID was going to take the pectin out of the leaves and they weren't going to change this year. That was a rumor. Glad it's not true. He sent us lots of beautiful pictures. Um, and so, yeah, just a joke. It was just a joke. COVID didn't really touch the leaves, but it's great. Um, welcome to our series about Framed and what a powerful series it's been. We've talked about that it's through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that we are invited to be framed and forgiven. But our response to that pre-constructed frame is our choice. 
We see out of Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. We saw this invitation is for everyone. No matter where you are, it's for you. Being framed by grace doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're beloved within his perfection. Being, grace, frame, being framed by grace doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're beloved within his perfection. What a place to be. We see that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we see how Paul frames this up for us in 1 Timothy 1, where he says, this is faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And one of the big revelations with that, that Paul taught us was that he says, I am chief, like currently in the moment, not was chief before I got knocked off my horse and now I'm good now. So I am chief. And that's so important for us to remember. It's while we were still sinners that he became flesh and blood, came down here, became one of us and died for us. But even in that, I know I am framed by God's own words to me because of the, what it says in Lamentations 3. The Lord's great love, we are not consumed. It's because of that love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Remember by saving us, it wasn't as if God did not know exactly what he was getting into. When he, when he was down here, he wasn't taking a looks around. And after, especially after he met the disciples, and like, these dudes are so dumb. They don't get anything I'm talking about. He didn't say, they're worse off than I thought. I got to get out of here. Get me out of here. It wasn't worth it. No, he knew exactly what he was getting into when he came down here to do what he did for us. And we learned that it's from the framing of safety and restored value that we seek to live in a way that honors him. We don't live that way to get framed. We live that way because we are framed. In the same way that, much like our children, those of you that had children and like my two sons, they didn't earn their way into our family. They were born into our family because Kelly and I chose to start a family and there's nothing they can do to become not in our family anymore. They are always going to be my sons. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ. Listen to that intentional language he's putting out there. You are of God's household. In him, we have redemption, forgiveness. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. God being rich in mercy, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which led us to the thing we talked about two weeks ago, which again, all these have been just so powerful. Living from the therefore, as a result of all those verses, as a result of all the things that we know we are in through Christ. Therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Therefore, lay aside the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Therefore, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Therefore, be intimidators, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you. We said, I am framed holy to live holy. I am framed loved to live love. I am framed by God to live like Christ. And I am framed in forgiveness when I fail at all of it. And that last line, I'm gonna read it again. I am framed in forgiveness for when I fail at all of it. For me, that was just like, boom. I don't know how many of you know a little bit about the Enneagram. It's kind of like a, it's a, it's a tool, basically what it is, for personality types and all that stuff. But 
one thing that I've learned about it is it can be this one thing over here, which is like, it's the worst thing ever. It's pagan. It's a Trojan horse for truth, all these kind of things like that. And then over here, you've got the other crowd that's like, hey, my name's Ricky. What's your number? What's your number? And then everything gets kind of run through that filter, but you're only as good as your number. It's either one. It's not, it's probably in the middle, right? I think it is in the middle. It's just a tool. But anyway, I am a one on that, which means I am a perfectionist, which means that I'm like the guy I just thought about. I'm like the guy in the Christmas vacation, Clark's dad, where he's like, those little bulbs aren't twinklings. Clark. That's like, I see those little things and they drive me crazy. Like for instance, I got this little bubble on my screen and Mandy knows. All I want to do is just rip the whole screen protector off because I cannot, I'll see this beautiful thing and there's just one little bubble. Uh, it just is a gift and a curse. I will tell you, come Christmas time, this building will look like it does because of the gift side of it. My kids might be crying in the corner because I've ignored them for three days. Hold on, I gotta get that strand right. But it'll still look a certain way because of that. But it also has its downside to things where I can tend to focus on the detail a little bit too much to the point of destruction of certain things. But neither here nor there. Y'all pray for me. And last week, and what I thought was such an important thing for us to realize, we talked about how we all have a plethora of different things within our frames. All these little like photobomb pictures that Paul showed us last week. We've got this lady, oh, sorry. We've got all these little pictures. And I, let me tell you, I love a good photobomb. I love one. I've been a part of a few one day. It's like Michael Scott. I love inside joke. I'd love to be a part of one one day. Yeah, I, I have... I have an affinity for being photo, for photobombing pictures. And thankfully between first and second service, there he is. I thought of it when I was up here and I was like, man, I wish I had it for the first service, but Travis came through and sent it to me. But I, I snuck into the frame. And now that's all you can see, even though there are beautiful people in the front of it. But we talked about how there are many things that may be true about us. Not all of them are the most important truths about us. Some we've had no choice over and some we have. But we saw through the example of Paul and his words from Romans 8 that no matter what else is in the frame, that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ. And no matter how loud those other frames speak, the frame of Christ will always speak louder if we choose for it to. If we determine in our minds that that's what will speak louder, it always will. And that's really what I want to focus on today in our time we have together is the choice. Because some of those frames, that, some of the things within our frames we've had no choice over, some of us got a bad dad. Some of us, we have pain in our lives. We, got it, we suffered an injury and now we're stuck with that. We had no choice over that. Some of the stuff we have. But either way, we've allowed certain things to sneak into our frames that have shifted from their proper place. And it reminded me of this commercial I saw this last weekend um, when Clemson was playing. Uh, it was, it's a surprise I saw it because my eyes were so clouded with tears from how terrible they are. Um, that there was, it was hard to really focus. But in the midst of not letting an 18 to 22 year old who's working really hard and doing the best he can determine to frame my Saturday, I saw this commercial. And I wanted us to watch it together because I think it's what's going on in our houses and in our, a lot of our lives personally that I think will speak volumes to what we're going to talk about today. So let's watch it together. Hey, kiddo. Hey. This is Sketchy Kyle from across the street. How are you? And these other two were just sitting outside and they figured I'd let them in. Well, what is the code here, sir? Oh, you'll figure that one out. Any wireless stuff upstairs, you know, like... I mean, Wi-Fi everywhere. What's the name of your first everywhere. pet? <laughs> you got a really nice house. At Spectrum, we think if they shouldn't be in your house, they shouldn't be on your Wi-Fi. This is fun. 
Ouais. So Spectrum Advanced In-Home Wi-Fi lets you decide who connects and who doesn't. So your network's always secure. This is what's going on in a lot of our houses, mine included. Now, it may not be in terms of internet security for Spectrum or Comcast. Well, not if you have Comcast, I'm sorry, but Spectrum or anybody else that's coming streaming into your home. So many of us, myself included, like I mentioned, have allowed things unbeknownst, but most likely beknownst to us. That is, and you can take that word because I just made it up, into spaces that they have no business being in and the frames they have no real space in, that they shouldn't be there. We pay for the internet to come blazing super fast into our homes. Our phones have coverage on them that's insane, ultra capacity wide band 5G, all this stuff. We choose to travel with our kids on sports teams over church community. We choose our hobbies over our spouses and kids and relationships and friendships. And here's the thing, I get all, I get all of it because I do all of it. And that's one of the things like here, God will sometimes give us a little advance on what our people are going through at this church. And sometimes it's like, you're right in it with you at the same point in time. And we've seen that throughout, throughout these years together. And I'm in this right with you. I understand that. And as a parent, I'm speaking to that. And as a father, I'm speaking to that. And as a husband, I'm speaking to that. But for all of us, you don't have to be married to see that this is a problem. You don't have to be married to see how these kind of things can sneak into our frames and how these things can begin to shout loud. And they shouldn't really be where they're supposed to be. I see the stats that on the average two-year-old consumes between 49 minutes to two and a half hours of media a day. I see the average five-year-old is upwards of three hours. That the average tween, an eight to 12-year-old, is five, and a, it's five hours and 55 minutes a day. That's on top of the homework. And a teenager is nine hours beyond their homework per day. And one thing I heard recently that was crazy is that in the, on the other side of this, kids only have 30 minutes of conversation with their fathers per week, not a day, per week. So something, not right there. Female college students spend an average of 10 hours a day while guys spend almost the same, eight and something. We see this and it's like, oh my goodness, I'm terrified of it. Because I remember the days where I grew up with the internet on a CD. You guys remember that? Where it would be, this sound would play when you try to get on and hear Oh, mom and dad trying to call. Oh, sorry. Old Johnny's on the, on, the, on the internet trying to download some ESPN thing that's taken 16 hours to download. And you couldn't even put, you couldn't have the browser on there because the computers weren't powerful enough to even do it at your house. And so we got all this going on. If you know what the sound is, you got You've got mail. Yeah, oh yeah. Special place in my heart. And that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't, that, I'm, I'm 34, that wasn't that long ago. And I remember that's what, it, and it came into, I mean, what, oh yeah, I was, I was like 12 or something when it started happening. And that was crazy to think of, oh, we can do this. Now, look where we are. It's not a beat up technology time for me and I don't want y'all to get that out of me. I, I love technology. I've got a lot of it. Um, the newest and best whatever you can find. It always pulls. Like, have you ever noticed when the new phones start to, it doesn't matter the brand, but I just, I'm an iPhone guy, so I can notice this a lot, that the phone you currently have, it could be awesome. But as soon as that new one comes out, your phone that you got, it starts to really get slower. It starts, your pictures aren't, they don't take as good anymore. Um, text messages are sending too slow. 
I can't, I, can't, I can't get on my fancy football as quick. I need that 13 Pro Max. And that's what we do. And I'm not shaming you. I got one. And those pictures, it was worth every penny. It was worth every penny. But I want you to hear this. If we aren't paying attention and being intentional with this stuff, making choices about how it sits within the frame, something else is. And there's that movie, The Social Dilemma, you'll see, if you've ever seen it. It kind of shows how it works in this creative way about the intentionality of what's happening that we don't even know about. Something else is going to be intentional if we're not. So as a church, I have a passion for this because I've got two boys that are going to be coming, that are in this realm. Um, And I was just, I talk about this a lot, but there's, if I I grew up with the video game stuff and uh, the graphics, the technology, I mean, I'd be done. I'd be done. You would not, I used to just play outside till the streetlights came on. That was how it used to go. You know, it seemed like it seemed like bad parenting. You just wouldn't ever, you wouldn't see your kids all day. But now they're they're there, and they're and I get it because it's a it's a wonderful thing, and it's so cool, and it's captivating, especially for boys' minds. And they can be this really cool tool, even in how education works. Like my son learns, he's in school, but at home he watches a show called Number Blocks, and so he's walking around doing asking us questions about math. And it's always good for me to have a good run back at it because it's not, I don't do a lot of math all day. So unless it's like what, how, what whole number, how many strokes does that make on that whole? That's like basically as much as I'm getting. So it's good that he's doing that. But so you can see the technology, it's got this one side of things, but the other side is this really beautiful thing. And I think we all kind of see that. But if you, on your app and your notes, if this is something that kind of gives you anxiety, like I know it can, um, there is a bunch of resources down there to help you because I think as a culture, we've kind of all seen something's a little bit off here and we don't know what to do with it. We kind of know it's not good, but at the same point in time, uh, I feel powerless against it. So just remember, we're here to help you. There, all that stuff is at the bottom of the app. You can look at it um, in, your, in the notes of, for the, today's sermon and it should help you out. Because I'll tell you this, we had to make a choice and you'll have to make the same choice for your own personal lives. If you have kids for them, you have to make this choice is that there's no way that they're going to know more about this thing, this frame than me. All right. They're not going to know more about it than me. It's too, there's too much there. There's two, there's two clicks away from a whole plethora of things they don't need to have in their lives. They're not going to know more about it than me. That takes sacrifice. It takes intentionality. It takes work. It takes safeguards. And that's what some of those things in the app will give you is a little bit of a, a little bump to help you. But it will, it will take those things because it's not going to happen by accident that they come to understand it. And I am not going to let that, somebody else teach them something I should be teaching them. They play a huge role. That's safeguards. And it's a nice frame to start with. But as a parent and as a person that's intentional about this stuff, we got to model it correctly as well. I, I think so many times we were watching um, a movie that we've seen for a thousand, a thousand times, Minions. They, my boys love Minions. We were watching it a bunch last night and we've seen it a bunch of times, all right? And I could feel the boredom just sweep over my body. And, that's, so, and this thing came out. And I'm thinking, I'm preaching on this tomorrow. How about how this should have its right frame? And here I am sitting there. And don't think for one second they don't see that. Don't think for one second they know that a family dinner doesn't involve a phone if it always involves a phone, okay? You gotta be intentional about this. And we gotta be the people that frame it in the right spot for them to see. 
because they're going to learn it from somebody. It might as well be us, all right? Because we as parents, I read those stats out before, and then we can think, well, that's just kids. That's, you know. And some of it may be because, like me, like the internet on the CD thing, there was just, this thing is just to add on to the identity that, I've, that I have. It was never, it was never the, the thing. For kids today, it is the thing. They have, their identity is built on that thing, on that frame. And it's shouting to them and it's telling them to do all these different kinds of things, all right? So we can poo-poo it or we can look at us and say, well, what can we do better to model this correctly? For instance, I can talk a lot about protecting my sons from the, ro- the woes of pornography and those kind of other addictive behaviors that can come from this phone. But if I don't have it on here, what kind of example am I setting? So this phone, it's the smartest one you can get currently on the market, I guess, and until six months and then it won't be. But th- this, this thing is dumb. I, can't, I don't have the ability to install apps. I can only go to websites that are allowed and that's kind of one of those things where that was intentional. I'm not going to let that be a realm in which I'm not teaching them something about. Because it's just too, there can be too dangerous to go down this road, and it's not loving or kind for me to not model that for them. And again, I can't push enough. Those resources at the bottom will help you do that. If you're like, that's too overwhelming for me, I get it. It's going to take some time, but it's, it's worth it, I promise you we're always teaching something. Sometimes it has words and most of the time it doesn't. Because if we're not, somebody else is and I guarantee you, they don't love your kids, they don't love your friends as much as you do. But it's not just with technology though. How about other things that try to sneak into the frame? How about sports stuff? Because me, oh man, I grew up, sports was our thing in our house. It was, well, I could say it was all of us, but it was Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was sports. Wednesday, Sunday, that was church, okay? And I, I don't know if my parents did it intentionally. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because that's what they did. But it was a frame that got placed for me. I wasn't getting trucked around to weekend soccer tournaments and golf tournaments and things like that that I was missing church to go at because they wanted me to know that that would be a choice over my faith and that being on that team would have been more important than them saying to me, your role in formation in this church, in this body of Christ, now that's secondary to your sports. And we will train them to do that by doing those things. We don't have to even say it. We'll just train them by what we're doing. So when they get to college, they'll be, which they all will, Hopefully, I mean, well, maybe not anymore today. You used to have to really, you want to go to college. But for me, the sports ended, all right? Just like it does for 98% of all athletes that even play in college. It's like 2% of all athletes that ever play a college sport go pro. 2% of the thousands of athletes. I was one of that 98%. And it wasn't because I played, I played football at CSU up the road. Um, it wasn't because I was bad at it or didn't have a desire to. One, God called me, and I almost felt like it would be disobedience to not step away from it. But it ended. And what my parents did for me in teaching me that my faith is not supplemental, it's primary. I had a foundation to stand on. It wasn't something I got around to. And so when that ended, 
I wasn't grasping at straws trying to find an identity or find a community or find something to be involved in that mattered because that sports was always secondary. And so what I want to tell you guys is this frame kind of approaches my life soon. Um, I, don't, I don't know how... I mean, Kelly and I are both pretty athletic. So some of us, um, I mean, some of our two boys, Alice, he, he can get after the soccer ball. Doc is more of like... And he's, if I showed you video, he just, he doesn't want to get in the way. He's like, he just doesn't want to get in the way. He's like, y'all just do your thing. I'll kick the ball when it comes to me. No judgment. I'm just here, just here. All right, just hanging out. So, hey, and, and what, he might be a lineman one day. That seems more of like his build. But um, for now, I mean, those friends will approach me and I know that I know it because I love sports. I mean, I really do. Like I said, I'm from the age of four till I was 20, I was always playing sports, always. And even to this day, I play sports. I play one sport in particular that has taken over my life. It, <laughs> that was my wife laughing. It's taken over my life. And it came with this one phrase. You could be really good at that if you worked at it. And that's golf. Okay, I know, you guys, I know a lot of you guys understand that. There is no realm I have not dug, no website I have not tried to find, a training tool to take my game to the next level. I got to break that 10 handicap by 40, I've told myself, and I'm nowhere close. And it's taken over my life, okay? And I understand that, so I get it, all right? But here's the thing about golf. One, it's incredibly expensive. I don't know how they pulled that over us. We used to play with sticks and made them in wood stuff and hit them. And now it's like, oh, yeah, seven hundred dollars for that driver. Whoa, oh boy, that's oh yeah, not doing that. I haven't done that, sweetie. I have not done that. All right, but there. <laughs> but am I going to spend also the amount of time that it takes to play this sport and to get good at it? Because here's the thing about sports: you got to practice them to be good at them. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you should be bad at it. You got to be good at it. So you got to put the work in and you got to put the time in and that, that's important. But what I want to tell you is that time, when you say yes to all this, you're saying no to something else. And I do not want those five hours that it takes multiple times a week to go play a round of golf to be more intentional than I should be being with my kids. Because the principle is this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So you can do the travel team stuff and there's just like technology, there's nothing wrong with it inherently. Sports is not evil inherently. But what you gotta be is intentional during the week in those moments on the road where your faith is discussed and lived out with your kids so that they see it's a priority. So if you're not gonna be Intentional this side, you got to be intentional this way, but there is no middle ground to where you just sit on the sideline and watch it happen. Because like I said, somebody's going to be teaching your kids something. Somebody's going to be teaching your relationship something. Somebody's going to be teaching your spouse something. So it might as well be you. There is no realm where we get to just punt on it. So don't leave it up to Brian and our incredible youth ministry here and our children's ministry here. You couldn't have them in a better spot. I mean, it is, our kids are being taught the very word of God in this very moment. And it's incredible. And I see the life change that happens as a result of it. But they were never designed to be the only disciple for your kids. Community is supposed to be the thing that helps us be a part of it, but they were never intended to be the only one. God has given us as a parent the sacred responsibility to disciple your kids and then train them in the way they should go. 
As Jesus says in Luke 6, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And that for me is a sobering thought, especially as a parent. What I'm teaching them, they will become. Because eventually, it's almost like, it's almost like a reverse engineering kind of thing. Where do you want them to become? Who do you want them to be? What do you want them to know? Okay, where do you want your friendship to be? Where do you want your marriage to be? Where do you want this to go? And how do you get it done? You backtrack it. You look with a frame in mind, I'm going to do this. So as parents, what are we training them to become? How are we developing what's within the frames of their future? Our kids, our spouses, our relationships need to see that God's a priority, that faith is a priority, and they're going to learn that because of us. So be intentional. Don't let chance and happenstance raise your children. Don't let chance and happenstance come in the form of technology. Don't let chance and happenstance come in the form of in your relationship with your spouse. They're terrible guides and even worse teachers. So be intentional. Because the frames of their future, the frames of the relationships we have, the frames of our kids will be built with what we sow in the present. So single person, the frame you frame will be built with what you sow in the present. Parents, the frames of your children's future will be built with what we sow in the present. Married couples, the frames of your future will be built with what you sow right now. It's for all of us, not just, not just me as a dad, parent, golfer, whatever. It's, it's for all of us. So let's be intentional with it. There was one little thing that happened... Um, it's not a little thing, it was a big thing, but I hadn't even planned on really talking about it when I knew what I was going to speak about this week. It's kind of just like, like I said, these things come as God's teaching it us, to us at the same moment. But last week, Kelly's granddad and grandmom, they, um, they, were, they were older, 92 and 88, I think, lived a full, full life. But uh, they went to be with the Lord uh, like six hours apart from each other. He passed away in the morning. She went and like, three or four in the afternoon. It was like that movie, The Notebook, where they kind of like, you know, it's, it's how we want to go. That's how I want to go with Kelly. And I'll, I mean, we look at that and say, boom, that's what we want to do. And this is the last picture that they had together. And if you, if you see it, it's, it's got so many different elements to it. But the things that stick out to me is it's an incredibly old Bible. I guarantee it was a King James. Guarantee Old, there's an iPhone up there playing old hymns, okay? And the only reason they had that phone was because they were keeping up with their grandkids. So you get this juxtaposition of the old and the new. Then you see their hands, hand in hand. And I love how weathered they look. It's kind of, it's like they did the work, you know? It's like the hands tell the story almost. They, um, they were, they were two really incredible people. And I think that the, the legacy they left behind and the frame that they've been framed in, hearing the stories of people talk to them, I mean, they were huge Clemson fans. He played for Frank Howard as a running back, so much so um, every, his favorite phrase was, go Tigers. I mean, I had another picture. His casket, they took the American flag off because he was a Korean veteran. And he had tiger stickers stuck on all the bottom of it. Um, all the horns on his car, the tiger rag, is that what it's called? All of them. So every horn in this car had been swapped out. So that every time he heard it, it was tigers. It went to like over 300 games, loved it. They, but what the people saw that, but what they also didn't see was this beautiful 
legacy of generosity that they had. They built through the mission work that they did, orphanages and seminaries, and they helped migrant workers in Florida. And it's like, what? when I look at it, it's like, what am I even doing with my life? <laughs> They're doing so much stuff for the kingdom of God. And at the end, that's how they were framed. And that isn't by accident. And that's why I love how the hands look in it because it tells the story that it was intentional. It took work, wasn't easy, took sacrifice. And that's really in all of this, the thing that's so hard, but the thing that makes it work, sacrifice. You see, Christ framed us that way. It says in Romans 8, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Then in Ephesians 1, it says, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, I'm not getting into the Calvinism, Arminianism thing right now. That's for another day. But what this verse speaks to me is the intentionality Christ displayed through sacrifice. See, predestined, that word really just means a predetermined choice. Christ made it. And he said, that's how I want you framed. And through that sacrifice, through his sacrifice on the cross, the frame was built for all of us. Being intentional with technology, the stuff is trying to sneak into our frames in that way, in our homes, takes sacrifice. Being intentional with our kids, being intentional with how we're modeling things for them, that takes sacrifice. Being intentional with our friendships and relationships, conversations over dinner, doing this phrase we call doing life together. That takes intentionality and sacrifice, especially for an introvert like me, who is gathering so much energy just sitting around on the couch watching football games doing nothing. That takes sacrifice to invest in and be intentional in other people's lives. And definitely being intentional with our spouses takes sacrifice. And maybe that's why it's so hard for us to do. Husbands, it's hard to lay your wife life down for your wife. Wives, it's hard to respect your husbands. Children, it's hard to obey your parents. All of us. It's hard to consider other person's interests above our own. Because if it wasn't hard, that's, we wouldn't have to be commanded to do it. He would have just said, ah, oh, they, they get that. That's, come on, that, we know that. No, we have to be commanded to do it. But through sacrificing our own wills, comfort and pride, which for me is a big one, because like I said, I'm in, I blow it all the time. I get frustrated with my kids daily. And I lay on my pillow thinking I didn't do that well today. Didn't do that well today, especially, you know, the Enneagram one just comes right back out and starts shouting at me. Could have done this better, could have done that better, could have done this. I blow it all the time. I want to remember that what we talked about two weeks ago. We've been framed in forgiveness for when we fail at all of it. When I ignore my family from my phone, I'm framed, I'm framed in forgiveness. When my kids don't do what I asked them to do, exactly how I pictured them doing it, and then I get frustrated at them for not understanding the expectation in my mind that when I say, fold the blanket, I mean, I need it rolled and I need to put back in the bin, just like I found it, okay? You see what I mean? Y'all still pray for me. But I tell you this, an apology. We, always, we talk about here across on a part of our culture is keeping it in your back pocket all the time. Not be people that are 
so caught up with their own looking goodness, being so shiny all the time that they don't have an apology to say, look, I messed up there. I'm sorry, Daddy, Daddy blew that. Will you please forgive me? Sweetheart, I should not have said that to you. Will you please forgive me? That was wrong. That speaks louder and frames a relationship more powerfully than we even realize. It says your best interests, your well-being, your heart is more important than mine. But that takes intentionality and sacrifice. So may at the end of our days, what's framed about us not be how good the handicap was in golf, how much money you made, what kind of clothes you wore, what kind of stuff you had in the bank and how you ascended the corporate ladder. But that we fought the good fight. We didn't let sketchy Kyle come up into our house and start getting our Wi-Fi passwords. And we didn't just give it to him. We were intentional. We finished the course. We didn't bail when it got tough. We didn't punt on our responsibilities. We were intentional. And we sacrificed living within the frame of love that's so richly been lavished upon us as God's children. Because you don't get framed like that by accident. It takes work. It takes sacrifice and intentionality. And I don't know about you, but that's how I want to be framed. Father, thank you. And for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, despising the shame, and that you're now sat down at the right hand of the Father. That you became one of us, dwelt among us while we were yet sinners. That you loved us with such a love, so richly lavished upon us. That we can be called sons and daughters. So from that place today, we come to your table receive your body and your blood to realize that we're always welcome. We're always framed in forgiveness, no matter what we've gone through. That through your intentional sacrifice, we are allowed to be there. To boldly approach your throne of grace in time of need. Maybe it's coming to the cross and pinning up a prayer. Maybe it's praying with our elders in the back when you just realize, man, I can't, I want to do this, but I don't know the prayer to pray. They're there with you to help pray the blessing of the Father over your life. Thank you so much, Lord. May we be these types of people in the relationships we have the world around us because of what you've done for us. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.